Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Let's welcome our internet family. So glad you could join us. It's going to be a good one. And uh, you guys can go ahead and take your seat. Y'all happy to be in church on a Wednesday? Well, I'm happy to be here with you. Uh, Again, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to say welcome. And uh, truly, it is a privilege to host you. And uh, for those who are joining us for the first time, my name is Lee Gilligan. I'm one of the assistant pastors. And every time I have the chance to minister, um, I, I don't take it lightly. I'm excited about the things I want to share and hope that um, you just receive them as, as not my words, but as God speaking through me because he called the meeting and, uh, and he knows where you're at. And I believe he wants to uniquely speak through me to you tonight. So glad that you could be here. I uh, want to let you know. The next two weeks, so a week from today and then the week following, uh, Pastor Alicia, my beautiful mother, she will be sharing a two-part series uh, on the power of words right here at Midweek Service. And when it comes to the topic of words, l- let's be real, all of us could use uh, r- a reminder in, the, in that subject. Uh, we're, we're probably all catching ourselves every day saying things that we wish we hadn't said. And, and life and death is in the power of the tongue. And, and I can think of, you know, a few people who are good candidates to speak on this subject. But my mom, I've watched her her whole life be so intentional with the things that she says. She, she speaks good uh, of everyone. She speaks life. And even when I've seen her miss the mark, she's quick to correct herself. And so she is, she is fired up. She's ready to share some things on the power of words. And so you're going to want to be here for that. And then three weeks from today, so it'll be the first Wednesday in August. I believe it's the third. That whole week is our uh, Ocala Student Conference. And so they're kind of taking the building over. And so there won't be service that Wednesday night unless you want to come and, and party with them or, or, or help serve our students. But we're believing that God's going to do big things in the lives of a bunch of the next generation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about prayer. And uh, I know that that may sound general, that that might sound maybe even elementary to some of you. Like, okay, pray. Yeah, yeah. I, I know about prayer. And, and my wife, uh, kind of the joke with us is every time she uh, asks me, hey, what are you preaching on this week? Or, or what's your topic? I will usually be a smart aleck and I don't feel like showing my hand or unpacking all my thoughts. So I'll just say, God. <laughs> She's like, for real, what are you talking about? I'm like, all right, Jesus, <laughs> the Bible. Heaven and hell, you know, giving her a hard time. But no, tonight we really are talking about prayer. And I I know that sounds basic, but prayer is one of the most basic components of the Christian life. It is one of the most essential and vital spiritual disciplines. And you may have heard it said, our, our future is paved in prayer. Prayer, especially in the days that we live, is one of the most vital things that we should be engaging in as a Christian. Uh, but let's be real, sometimes it's easy to get on autopilot. It's easy to go through your days and you're maybe praying over your meal and praying for your kids before they go to bed. But has your prayer life at times maybe lost uh, some fervor or some passion or some consistency? And I think especially in the days that we are seeing, it's time to kind of ramp that up and realize the importance and the power of prayer. And so we're, we're going to get into some of this tonight. The title of my message is The Angle of Your Prayers. Because we need to be mindful of the angle in which we are approaching God and then also the angle in which we are expecting to receive from God. And uh, I'll explain kind of what that means here in a second. But how many of you, um, you have cable, like cable television or direct TV, dish, something. You pay monthly for a service so you can have entertainment. 
Uh, now, a lot of people are switching from providers like that and going to like a, a web-based streaming service, you know, Netflix or Hulu. But the point is, we spend a lot of money on entertainment. And um, if you've ever had cable and had to cancel cable, you know what a pain it can be. Any, any service you have to cancel, isn't it true that it's always so easy to become a customer, but it is a pain to break that customer relationship. And so they make it easy to become a customer because they say, you know, they give you incentives like sign up today and get a $50 visa and we waive this fee and you get a special introductory six-month pricing. And it's like, oh, how can I resist that? And then after six months, you, you're like, I wish I'd read the fine print because then the price is like triple that and you're still in contract for another year and a half. And you're like, I don't even really use this service, and yet I'm flushing money down, down the toilet every month. Or maybe you use it way too much, and television just consumes your life. But my wife and I, several times before, have canceled cable. And we're like, yes, this is the best movie we've ever made. And then like a year later, we sign up, and we're in another two-year contract. So recently, I was reviewing uh, our finances and looking at it. I'm like, you know what? We're paying this much every month, and we, we hardly use it. So I, I was like, you know what? We're going to cancel cable. But I kind of delayed it. I put it off because I, I didn't want to go through the actual process of picking up the phone and having to talk to someone about it. Because they never take it at face value. They never just say, oh, you want to cancel it? Okay, we'll make that happen. There's always a catch. There's always an angle. There's always something where they try to sway you. It's called customer retention. And so I finally break down and, and I, I call the company. I'm not going to say who. Um, but I call the company and I'm listening carefully to the prompts. You ever do that? Where they're like, press one for blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, it's not one. Two. And you, you hold up like the number as they're talking. And then the next one, you're like, no, no, three. Wait, maybe it was two. Because you, you, you want to get connected to the right party. So I was fully confident. I'm on the line with the right person. And so I tell them, I said, hey, I want to cancel my service. It's not you. It's me. Uh, it, it's a budget thing. I'm not really interested in any other options. I just want to cancel it today. So if you could help me, that'd be awesome. The lady says, well, thank you so much for calling. Let me transfer you to someone who can help you. I'm like, I thought you were the person who could help me. So she transfers me. And and of course, they never give context to the person they're transferring you to. So I have to go through the whole spiel again. And the second time, I was probably even more blunt or rude about it. And the lady said, well, we'd be happy to help you do that. But um, have you considered switching to this package for this price and get these feature channels? I said, no, you don't understand. I don't use it. It's not worth it to me. I just want to cancel. She says, okay, I understand that, but you have been a, a long, faithful customer, so we would like to give you this special six-month pricing. I said, well, I already know how that works. It's good for six months, and then it's going to go right back up to what it was. And so finally, after like four or five scenarios, she's like, okay, well, we'll be happy to cancel that today. And, and so I say all that to say most of the time on the phone, I just kind of wanted to, you know, sarcastically just be like, what's your deal? Like, like, like what's your angle? I know my angle, my motive for calling you was to cancel my service. And, and, and when, have you ever had someone say that to you where they say, what's your angle? Or have you asked someone that? What's your angle? What's your deal? It's kind of a rhetorical question because you're sarcastically implying that they're up to something. I knew what she was up to. I knew she was trying to retain me as a customer. But we, when you ask someone what, what the angle is, that, it, that it could apply to an agenda or a motive or a reason or some, some approach to, to sway someone or manipulate a situation. And we see this in people. We see this in, 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 in you ever had a friend who, who comes up to you and they say, hey, you know, they make you some type of offer and you're like, no, there's a catch. Like they, they want something from me. Or maybe it's in sales or business or uh, all kinds of ways that we see people with an angle. Politics, that's a great one. Politicians, candidates, they, they have an angle. And um, solicitors, that's, that's another way that, that, that we see people who have a, a, an agenda where they want to try and sell you on something. Our neighborhood strictly 
states, no soliciting, but yet every week I feel like there's someone at my door. And they're, they're, they have an angle. They're pitching something. And my wife, she's great about telling them no. I'm horrible. And, it, and it's kind of the running joke in our family uh, that I can't say no to a solicitor. Now, I never sign up for anything, but I sit there and listen to the whole 20-minute spiel. Because I, I feel bad, and, and it's usually hot outside, and I don't, I don't want to be blunt with them. And so this is what happens. I'll be standing there, awkward body language. I, I, I have no intentions of purchasing whatever it is. And the Katie's on the other side of the door with her phone, sending pictures to my family, saying, yet again, he's stuck talking to a solicitor. And so you're probably like, what, where's he going with all this? I do have an angle, okay? I promise. <laughs> I have an angle, and it's this. Do we ever in our prayer life come at God with an angle? Do we ever come to God and there's a level of manipulation about our prayers? Now, if I had asked that lady on the phone, are you trying to manipulate me? She, she wouldn't admit straight up that that was her intention, but manipulation a lot of times is, is clever. Or it's subtle. It's, it's just trying to, to convince someone of your solution or your idea. And so do we in that sense ever try to manipulate God with our prayers where we bring him a need, but attached with that need is our solution, our idea, our timetable, how God should fix it. And, and it, so if we look at it that way, I'd say, yes, yeah, sometimes we come at God with an angle. I'm, I'm guilty of that. And I think we need to get to a place where we are fully reliant, fully trusting in a good God that we drop our angle and we just give him the need. And we say, God, I trust you to meet this need however and whenever. You, you see all, you know all, you're sovereign, and I trust you. But a lot of times there is an angle to our prayers. What if prayer is not so much about asking God to fix a problem as it is about asking God for the grace, the strength, the wisdom, the patience to walk victoriously through that problem? Now, I believe God could fix a problem like that. But a lot of times in our life, we've had to develop or exercise what pastor has taught us, a, a through faith, where, where, uh, a faith that carries us through the valley, through the trial, through, through whatever it is that we're going through. Now, look at the state of our country. There's been tragic things that have taken place just in the last month, the, the recent weeks. And it would be easy to, to pray tonight before you go to bed and say, God, I want to wake up tomorrow and the whole world is holding hands. Every color, every age, every nation, every religion, everyone's getting along and we're happy and we're at peace and none of these problems exist. That would be, that would be a lot easier. But guess what? That's, that's not going to happen. We're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to be facing a lot of the things that we're facing today. And I believe that it takes more faith to go through something victoriously than to be delivered from it. It takes faith, more faith to go through something victoriously than to be delivered from it. And the amazing thing is this, that once you've walked through it and you stand on the other side and say, wow, God is faithful. God was working. God did deliver me through this. Not only are you on the other side victoriously, but your faith is stronger than it was before that valley. Amen? Amen? Scripture talks about that, about how testing produces faith. Our, our faith grows. And, and I think we need to approach prayer, yes, asking God to, to fix the problem and to help us, but also asking for the grace, the patience, the strength to walk through victoriously and trust him no matter what is going on. So tonight, I want to I challenge you if, you. if you've been coming at God with an angle, drop the angle and be ready to trust him. We're going to look at prayer in two different ways. Uh, we're going to look at why we pray. And then we're going to look at how we pray. And I'm not a big guy for, for lists in a sermon. Like, you know, some, some 
people will present like seven steps to, you know, biblical provision or whatever. I, I don't believe there's like magical uh, steps or, or, or a code to break. But tonight I want to show you eight different things that I think are, are evident in Scripture that are so important for us to have as a part of our prayer life. And so we're just going to get right into this. First section, why we should pray. Now, this is the Wednesday night crew. So I, so I know you guys are the mature Christians, all right? <laughs> and you say, I, I pray every day. I understand prayer. I've studied prayer. I am a prayer warrior. I know that's who I'm talking to tonight. But have you recently or ever asked God to teach you to pray? Have you, have you considered yourself a student of prayer? And the reason I ask that is because when we look at the New Testament, prayer in the New Testament is dominated by Christ's example. And if we are Christ followers, Christians, then I believe we can learn from Christ what it means to pray and how to pray. And so first, simply, we pray because Jesus prayed. If you're taking notes, first point for why we pray, we pray because Jesus prayed. I asked you, have you asked God to teach you to pray? Part of the reason I say that is because the disciples observed he was a person of prayer. And in the Gospels, we see that they say, Master, teach us to pray. They, they ask him straight up, teach us to pray. Now, we'll go, he goes on and he lays out what is the, the Lord's Prayer and, and shows them some things that are a part of prayer. And, and we'll get into some of that here in a bit. But I think we need to be students of prayer. We need to pray because Jesus prayed and realize that Jesus went from place of prayer to place of prayer with miracles in between. He was reliant on his father. He knew what he came to do. He was God in flesh. He was performing miracles and teaching and drawing the masses. But yet he would routinely draw away from the noise and from everything going on so that he could be at a place of prayer and talk to his father. And so we need to pray because Jesus prayed. Number two, we need to pray because it connects us to the father. Pray because it connects us to the father. Now, working at a church... All the time, something I, I hear people say is, I need prayer. Have you, have you ever said that? I need prayer. R- right now, there's, there's people here who, who we need prayer. And so before and after every service, people come forward, I need prayer. Throughout the week, people will show up here or, or they'll call or we'll go to homes or hospitals or whatever. People need prayer. But I think a lot of times what happens is we get so fixated on the prayer aspect, we forget what it is that prayer actually does. It, it connects us to the Father. It's not prayer alone that we need. It's God that we need, and prayer is what connects us to him. And so what I want you to know is whether you're here and there's a pastor ready to pray for you or whether you're at home and you've had the worst day of your life, you can stop right where you're at and you can pray. God will meet you where you're at. Prayer is the connection point. It is the lifeline. Now, my kids, they love iPads. And we have two iPads. One's my wife, one's my my, my own, but our kids have kind of adopted them as, as their own. And they're the Wi-Fi versions. So uh, basically, you know, the kids, they'll play games, they watch movies and shows and learning activities. But if you have a, wi- a Wi-Fi signal, then it'll work to the full capacity. Some of the features don't work without that signal. And the first time our kids learned this was on a road trip. We're, we're five minutes up the road and they're freaking out because certain apps weren't loading or the movie wasn't playing. And so you try explaining to two small kids what Wi-Fi is. I said, guys, it doesn't work because we don't have Wi-Fi, so you're going to need to switch to another app or something. And so the next thing I know, they're going, we need Wi-Fi. We want Wi-Fi. And it's kind of like us at times. We need prayer. I need prayer. But here's the deal. My kids only need the Wi-Fi because what it connects them to. 
Wi-Fi on its own, it's just a signal. It's, just, it, it's the fact that that Wi-Fi connection uh, it, it helps those apps and those games to work to their full capacity. And so that's the connection point. It's the lifeline. So the only reason we need prayer is because who it connects us to. Okay, so don't lose sight of that. Yes, I'm talking about prayer. Yes, we want to be a people of prayer. But let's realize the reason prayer is powerful is because it is a dialogue between us and our Father. It's how we speak to Him. It's how we hear from Him. Amen? So pray because it connects you to your Father. Number three, why we pray. We pray because it keeps us humble. I believe prayer is a a perfect scenario for us to be reminded of who we are in relation to who God is. To realize that if Jesus was going and, and withdrawing so that he could be dependent upon his father through that prayer connection, how much more do we need it? How much more do we need to realize that like, we are nothing on our own? We are nothing without a prayer life that, that, that shows we are fully reliant on our father. And so we need to pray to keep us humble. If you have your Bible, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And this, this will be on the screen as well. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And I want to show you kind of a comparison here. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And so he says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, he stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I think a lot of times, if we're not careful, we're like that Pharisee. Remember, we're the prayer warriors. We're the Wednesday night crew. We fast. We, we give a tenth of all that we have. We're not like those other people around us. We're special. We got it together. And sometimes that's how we approach it. And, 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 and even on our best days, I think there's times where we've prayed to be seen. Have you ever caught yourself and you're like, man, I probably look so cool praying right now. And I, and I think that's what that Pharisee was doing. He, he, was, he wanted to be seen. But before Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he, he, he taught them where to pray. And it wasn't about being seen. And, and so you look at that Pharisee, and then you look at the tax collector, and he, he won't even look up. He, he's, he's approaching God from a place of brokenness and saying, I'm a sinner. Ha, have mercy on me if you can. I would rather be that tax collector. I'm not saying that you have to approach God sheepishly or, or guilty. But I do believe that prayer is a point where we kind of approach him from a place of brokenness. We, we aren't perfect. We don't have it together. The only reason we are worthy is because of what he did. The only reason we can approach him is because of what he did. And I, I believe we need to approach him in prayer from a place of saying, God, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. I can't do this life without you. I don't want to do this life without you. We pray because it keeps us humble. Amen? If you ever start to get prideful, drop your knees and acknowledge who your source is. Realize we are nothing without him. Let's pray because it keeps us humble. So that's kind of three quick things why we pray. Now I want to look at five reasons how we should pray. Now I'm sure if I talked to you and you gave me your opinion or if we looked through scripture, we could find a lot more reasons or or a lot more uh, than just five ways that we should pray. 
But these are our five kind of just boiled down simple things that I think are so important for us to remember as we are a people of prayer. And so the first one is that we would pray his will. Say that with me. Pray his will. We're very good at praying our will. We're very good at, at praying out our desires, praying out our needs. And really when we pray our will, it kind of goes back to what I said. We're, we're giving him the need, but we've also attached with it our solution, our idea, our fix. Um, and our solutions or our will is based on our perception. It's based on our ability. It's based on our limitations ultimately. And, and, and don't you know God has no limitations he, he, he has all ability. He can do anything. And he has that aerial view where he sees it all. He knows how it all works together. He knows how it's all going to play out. So would you be willing, even though it's hard to lay down your pride, would you be willing to drop your will and say, God, I want your will over my life? Because guess what? His will is greater than your desires. His will is greater than your desires. And we are, we are a people of desire. We know what we want. And, 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 and so we pray those things out. And so a lot of times it's hard to just say, God, I lay it all down and I, and I want your will to be done. Because sometimes we're afraid maybe of how he'll, he'll answer or, 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 if, or if how that actually plays out. And so we continue to pray our will. But be, be a people who realizes that his will is bigger than your desires. And, and we're never going to go wrong for praying his will over our life. I want you to go with me to Matthew 6. Verses 9 through 13, and, and so earlier we talked about how the disciples said, Master, teach us to pray. He, he follows up and, and he says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One of the first things he says is, your will be done. They say, teach us to pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Your will be done. We need to pray his will over our life. But let's, let's be real. I won't ask you to raise your hands. I'll raise mine for you. How many of you have ever stressed over whether you were in God's will or not? Okay, we, I think as people, we try to figure out everything on our own. And we get so worried that we're going to miss the will of God. And we get this fear that if somehow, if, if, I, if this decision is wrong, or if I take this step and I wasn't hearing God clearly, then somehow I have messed up his will. I've, I've messed up the, 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 the rest of my life. And that's not how God works. That's not how God works. And, but we so put ourselves in this tension that we're afraid of missing his will. So sometimes we paralyze ourselves and we just don't do anything. But his will, guess what? Here, here, here's something that should come for you. One of the biggest ways that he reveals his will is through his word. When you're unclear on what his will is, if you're unclear on, on who you are and what people are saying about you, then guess what? Look to Scripture, what he says about you. Pray that over your life. If you're faced with a problem, you don't know the answer, guess what? For all our problems, we've got a whole book of solutions and promises. Pray those things over your life. And I promise you, as you seek God through that and you pray his word over your life, you will begin to pray his will into existence. And, and, and it's okay to wrestle with the will of God because I think we can look at Jesus who, who, was, who was perfect, but yet in his humanity, there, there was a time where he might have uh, cried out. Uh, you know, we look at the garden shortly before he was, he was crucified. And he knows why he came. He knows ultimately he's been sent as, as the atoning sacrifice in our place to, to restore the relationship between man and God, even though we created the mess and, and he knows what's about to go down 
in the days to follow. But yet he's, he's, he's drawn away to pray. And scripture says that he's at such a point of, of, of stress that, that he, the blood, uh, he actually sweat blood. And he cries out and he says, if there's any other way, if you can, take this cup from me. Cries out to God. But then in that same breath, he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. I, I, I love this because it shows right here, it's a perfect picture of Jesus' humanity, but also of his perfect obedience. That in the, in the same breath, in the same sentence, he can go from kind of wrestling with God's will, but then he says, you know what? No, yet not as I will, but as you will. That's how we have to be. As much as, as, as the situation may be tough, as much as the future may be unclear, that we would say, God, not as I will, but as you will. If we want to know how to pray, we need to pray his will. Secondly, we need to pray prayers of thanks. Pray prayers of thanks. I believe that thanks and prayer go hand in hand. Gratitude and prayer are hand in hand. And I want to just go through a few scriptures right here. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by in petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 1 Timothy 2, 1, I urge then first all of you that petitions and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always. Pray, when I point, that means it's your part, all right? So we'll we'll back up. Rejoice always. Pray Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. One more more point exercise. Colossians 4, 2, devote yourself to being watchful and... See, they, they go hand in hand. We, we've been taught for years here as a church to thank God for what you have and to trust him for what you need. So often we get so focused on what we need that we forget what we have. We get so focused on what hasn't happened that we forget what has happened. And I believe if we enter prayer from a place of thanks, not only are we honoring him and acknowledging him for what he did, but it causes us to reflect And so if you're believing for God to move in a big way and you say, wait, he already moved in a big way. I thank you, God, for what you did. Because if you did it once, you can do it again. If you did it this way, you could do it this way. I trust you. I thank you for what I have. And I trust you for what I need. Prayer and thanks go hand in hand. Number three, we need to pray big and expectant prayers. Yeah, I realize sometimes there's needs that are smaller. And so it may be a smaller request of God. But how many know he is a big God? He's a, he's a big father, and he's, you could ask big stuff, and guess what? I think, I think he's strong enough to handle it. I, I think there's nothing impossible for him. And, and kids often, they don't have uh, really any hesitation to ask their parents for big things. They, it's my parents, they're, they, can, they can do whatever. And when I was little, uh, I remember one time the church was very small. I don't even know if we had a building yet. We might have still been at, at, in the hotel and someone gave my dad two $100 bills one day after church. Just came up and said, Pastor, I want to bless you and your family. And I saw dad with these two $100 bills. And so fully confident, I went to him later. I said, Dad, you know those two $100 bills someone gave you? He goes, yeah. I said, can I have one of them? <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> but I'm thinking, he's, he's my dad. He can do anything, you know? I, I asked a big request of him. My, my son now, he thinks I can do anything. And, and, and you know... Ask dad. He'll do it. He told me the other day that when he, when he drives, which he's only six, he's still got a decade, but he said, dad, for my first car, I want a green Lamborghini. I said, buddy, that's never going to happen. He said, it could. 
But, but that's, that's the approach we need to have. If, if kids believe that their earthly parents can do anything, well, guess what? For real, our Heavenly Father can do anything. So why not ask? And realize that he can answer our prayers beyond ways that we could ever even comprehend. And I believe that great moves of God are preceded by great expectation. Some of the, the, the biggest miracles and the biggest ways that God has showed up are preceded by people who asked big prayers, asked big things, had great expectation. And that is what tills the ground for God to move. Mark eleven twenty three through 24 says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Kind of boils down to this. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. I think he's sitting back there saying, ask, ask. I can do it. I'm your advocate. I want to help you. He's a father that wants to help his children. And we need to ask big and expectant prayers. Number four, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Um, I'm not saying that you go to work and you walk into a meeting and you're just like walking around with your hands up praying and freaking people out. Again, it's not to be seen, but I mean that we are continually a person of prayer. That wherever we're at, whatever's going on, we can stop and we can pray. It's a dialogue. No longer do we have to go somewhere and and go through a man and have to clean ourselves up so that man can present our request to to God. Right now, right where you're at, between you and God, there's a dialogue. And, And you don't even have to open your mouth sometimes. God sees your heart. He knows your heart. And you could be in the middle of the most crowded place. And you can say, God, right now, I need your help. God will meet you where you're at. And so um, when, when you think of it that way, realizing that, that you're to pray without ceasing, I, I want to let you know that that means don't wait for it to be a mess or a storm before you go to God in prayer. Prayer is, is not a, a last resort. Prayer is a first response. And, and, you, and you've heard people say, well, I guess all we have left to do is pray. Have you, have you heard that? You know, the doctors have given up. This door closed. This isn't going to work. I guess now all we have left to do is pray. And when I hear that, I, I know what people mean. But at the same time, I want to say, what were you doing to begin with? <laughs> we should be a people of continual prayer. Luke five sixteen says that Jesus sometimes withdrew to lonely places. No, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We just used this reference a minute ago. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray occasionally. No, continually. Pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you and Jesus Christ. I, I pray all the time. I, I, when I'm laying in bed at night, I'm praying. My wife doesn't know it because I'd, I'd keep her up. She loves her sleep. But I'm, I'm dialoguing with God. In the morning on my commute, I'm praying. In between meetings, I'm praying. And I encourage you throughout your day, keep that dialogue with God going. And I promise you, you're going to have more peace. You're going to have more assurance that he's there with you and that he's working on your behalf. Number five, last point, how we pray. And this is a huge one. And I think one that sometimes we forget. And it's this. It's pray in Jesus' name. Pray in whose name? Pray in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not trying to be over-religious. I'm not trying to be over-spiritual. I'm not grading anyone on their prayers. But far too often, I'll I'll hear, you know, someone who has a big platform or a big place of influence, a a pastor or or someone strong in the faith, and, and they'll say, in his name, I pray. Or in your name, I pray. Now, they know whose name they're referring to, but I'm like, say the name. 
power's in the name. I mean, we can see rappers get up on MTV and accept an award and say, it's all for him. It's all for the big man upstairs. Who? You know, we are Christians, and we know that the only way to the Father is through the Son, Jesus. And if so, we're, if we're going to pray like Jesus, I think we need to pray through Jesus. The power is in the name. In Philippians 2, 8 through 11, it says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should acknowledge that who? Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Jesus went in our place. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Jesus opens the mail and he delivers it to the Father. And we need to pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.